I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 85, I'm going to talk about how to inspire people to trust you and your leadership, how being too optimistic may backfire on you, how a clear call to action is mandatory right now, why people need to know the reason why you're calling them to grow, and how to encourage people to believe in God and your leadership. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Man, I am so fired up tonight. This past week, uh, we interviewed a couple for the Flagstaff Mission Team, and we we made them an offer, and they accepted. That's Brian and Abigail Mackey from Spokane, Washington. They've been in the ministry for about seven years and have been doing campus ministry. They're in their uh, mid-20s, and just exactly what I had been praying about and hoping for. They've never led a church, but they've worked in campus ministry. They're fired up. They're eager to learn, and I am absolutely thrilled. We've been building the team, but we haven't found the leadership until just this week, and so I know that um, Pam and I are thrilled, so pumped up about that. And we'll, Pam and I, I'm, we'll be focusing on developing an intensive training program for them and others on our staff. And so I'm looking forward to that. We're, we're going to really get them ready to go on that mission team this summer. So that'll be absolutely fantastic. So very happy over here. And today I want to talk about how to inspire people to trust you and your leadership. Whether you're a small group leader, a small church leader, a region leader, or any other type of leader, people need to trust you. They need to believe that you're going to help them, especially during this time. The pandemic is passing. People are getting vaccinated. And disciples are resurfacing. You can just tell it in the air. Now, I know that some places are more locked down than others, but I know some places, like in Texas, all the the masks are off and people are going around absolutely freely. And disciples are resurfacing and wondering, where do we go from here? Your job as a leader is to offer vision and direction to strengthen and rebuild your church. Many, if not most of our churches, are weak. Let's be honest, they're lethargic and out of shape spiritually. Even the ones that have done relatively well, there are many disciples that are, let's just be honest, they're not in great shape spiritually. Disciples have grown used to TV church, where there's no travel, there's no trouble, there's no time spent setting up or breaking down the worship service. And for many of us, we don't know exactly how badly the pandemic has affected the spiritual health and condition of our churches. We have an idea, we have some anecdotal evidence, but we don't know exactly how things will be different going forward. All we know is that it will be different, 
and we're in charge of helping people get back on their feet spiritually. I'd like to offer some ideas from the book of Nehemiah on how to inspire your members to trust you and your leadership during the cleanup and recovery phase of COVID. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Nehemiah said to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. I want you to place yourself in Nehemiah's situation. He faced an overwhelming task. Rebuild the fallen walls of Jerusalem. The people that had to do it were demoralized, they were dispirited, and beaten down. He not only had to get them to do the physical work involved, but he also had to get them to trust him that things could change for the better. Let's find out how he did it. Well, first thing, don't be too optimistic. Tell the truth. Don't be too optimistic. Tell the truth. What did he, what did he start with? Now, remember, this is after he had come all the way from Babylon and he had made his way out there. He had spent three days going around, checking out the condition of the city. And when he gathered the people for the first time, he said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, Nehemiah could have arrived with a big smile and big talk that things really weren't as bad as they seemed. Instead, he started with a sobering assessment of the situation. Number one, we're in trouble. Number two, Jerusalem is in ruins. And number three, the gates are burned with fire. He knew that pretending that things were better than they were would cause people to distrust him. Instead, he connected with people by acknowledging what everyone already knew. They were all in big trouble. Now, it's tempting during this time, as we are hopefully on the tail end of COVID, to inflate our progress, to cover over our weaknesses, our disappearing disciples, and our lack of evangelism. Your people know that this pandemic has taken a toll on the church. Even the best churches, and and I I understand your church may be cranking right now, but there are many churches that are not, but even your church that has done super well, the pandemic has taken a toll. And by trying to paint too rosy of a picture, too optimistic of a picture, it will cause people to distrust your leadership. Instead, acknowledge your current situation. That helps your members know that you're seeing what they're seeing. Without being pessimistic or gloom and doom, tell the truth about the state of your church. For example, my church will be re- returning to live meetings this month. Now, this is being recorded on Saturday, March 6th. And so we've been meeting virtually since Thanksgiving when things got really bad here and I, I got COVID. And so we've been meeting virtually for about three months. But before we do that, I'm going to be having a midweek this coming Wednesday with the entire church. It'll just be like a family time, and I'm going to be laying out the true condition of the church. I'll be sharing that some people will not be coming back. A number may not return to live meetings for a long time. I'll be talking about the drop in Bible studies. I'll talk about how difficult it'll be for people to overcome inertia to start leaving their homes. 
I'm going to compare it to going back to the gym after not working out for one year. It's not easy and it's not fun. There's going to be a lot of grumbling and griping on Sunday morning where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get up. I have to get the kids ready. I don't know if there's going to be a kid's service. Why don't we just stay home? That's what people are going to be facing. Nevertheless, once we push through the pain, we're going to feel a lot better and stronger about ourselves as disciples and as a church body. But I want, I want people to know, I understand. It's not going to be easy. Hey, it's not going to be easy for me. I mean, I just recorded at home and then uh, on Sunday morning, we sit on the couch. I go, wow, now I've got to go out and go set up church and, and get back to that. That's going to be some effort there. Nevertheless, it's going to be worth it. And that's what Nehemiah did with his people. He just said, listen, we're in a mess here. And here's the situation. Now that built trust because those people, obviously, they didn't know him that well. But they understood, okay, this guy understands our true condition. Second thing Nehemiah did is he called people to rebuild. Call people to rebuild. In Nehemiah 2, verse 17, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Nehemiah called people to act. Now, that's, that's the mark of a true leader. He offered them a massive task and the motivation to do it. He said, we will no longer be in disgrace. Your members need you to call them to rebuild your church. You are the voice they will listen to. Here's what people need now. They need a clear, limited goal. You think about Nehemiah. He didn't say, hey, we're going to clean up the city. We're going to regain our our independence. He just said, listen, here's the job. We're going to rebuild the wall. That's, That's what needs to happen. That's it. It's clear, visually clear. It's like, okay, that's a big task. But it's limited. It's not like, hey, we're going to restore the greatness of of the era of Solomon. He just said, we're just going to rebuild the wall. So people need to know, what are you trying to do? What do do they need to do? What will it look like when it's done? And secondly, people need to have a big reason to sacrifice. People need to know why. Nehemiah told his people that their sacrifice would restore their self-respect and would remove their shame. He said, then we'll no longer be in disgrace. They'd feel better about themselves because of this wall being built. So it wasn't just the safety factor, but it's, hey, you're going to feel a lot better once, we're, once this gets done. And so it's important to set up a clear plan to revive your church. Make it simple, not too complicated. Set a relatively low bar that most people can achieve with a little bit of effort. For example, in Tucson, I've started with the following. This is my March plan. And I just share this for example's sake. I I wouldn't say follow this plan exactly. This is something I've just come up with that for my situation, it's appropriate. You can take it or leave it. But I started a daily prayer meeting in March, Monday through Fridays, through the month of March. Uh, I got this idea from Tony and Melanie Singh in their, their episode just having a Zoom prayer meeting from 7 to about 7.15, 7.20, Monday through Friday. It's been great for me. I mean, for me, it's been awesome. And to be honest, first day, there's like six people there. Second day, it was just me and one other brother. Third day, there's more people. And it's growing since that time. But I went into it thinking, hey, I need this. This is what I need 
And I told people that, hey, I want to do it because I want to pray to bear fruit. I want, I want to be in Bible studies personally. I want to meet open people. And I'm already seeing people calling me. I'm starting to, my evangelism is starting to rekindle, and it's been really awesome. Number two for, for this March, my plan, we're having a man church. We did one a Saturday man church, and I got this idea from Nate and Waldina Bigby. He's been doing this down in, in Corpus Christi, Texas. But uh, my intern, Felipe Marias, organized a park service to reactivate the men in the church. And so we met out in the park today, and it was awesome. I mean, it just it felt right. It just felt like, yes. I mean, Pete, to be back with the guys, we played cornhole. We, did, we had like a, I did a short prayer. Felipe preached a 10-minute lesson, very short. And then we, we, we cooked hot dogs. We gave the guys hot dogs. That was it, real simple, hot dogs and, and water. And then we played cornhole and just talked. But it was great because there was three guys that came out that, had not, uh, that I'd not met before. Two guys, one guy was working at Caterpillar, one guy's working at Raytheon. And um, it was just, it was great. One, one person from the, the campus ministry, great guys. And I, I think it just energized everybody. I mean, I saw people that I hadn't seen live for a while. And really an, a very encouraging time for everybody. I want to do a men's retreat next month. And I think that'll be fantastic for the guys. My private prayer goal is to go from where we are right now to having 31 studies by the end of the month. Okay, I think we got about about a handful of studies. You know, I I talked to some church leaders. I got like two hundred and thirty studies. Unfortunately, we're not there. Okay, that's that's not where we're at, and that's what I'm I'm shooting for. It's like okay, we've got to get our studies up and get going. And so I'm determined. I've talked to the staff about this. This is why I'm praying about thirty one studies by the end of the month. We're promoting the prayer and fasting chain, and this is something we started in January one. I want to say a big shout out to Henry and Arunima Gomes. This is this is their idea. They did this last year and revived their church. You can take a look at, uh, listen to their episode um, previously, but just keep on talking about it. We've got you know three or four or five people or, and couples every day who've been fasting and praying all from the very beginning. So it's like three months running. So very happy about that. We've. My goal also in March was to, number six, find and meet a live, in a live location. Our old location was closed. We literally could not meet there since a year ago. And so we found two locations to meet. And so we're going to try something different, meeting in smaller locations, geographically separated, and our staff is going to do some traveling. So we're going to have a 10 o'clock worship in Midtown and then a, then a 3 o'clock worship in the north. And we're actually looking for a third location. We're just going to try it so people can come can come and bring their friends closer to where they live. And so th- I'm hoping that this will give an opportunity to train some of our younger ministers to preach more often. And then number seven, ask, I'm asking the church to share with one person per day going forward, just getting out there, talking to people, reaching out. So that's my plan. It's It's not, you know, amazing, but it's what my church needs right now. And so you've got to get your own plan for what works for you, where you're at. Now, if you're already cranking, I go, man, give me a call. Tell me what you're doing. I'd love to learn. But that's what that's what we need. Number three, encourage, encourage, encourage. In Nehemiah 2, verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. 
I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. Okay, the king, remember the king, he prayed and fasted, and he was really nervous about going before him, and he said, hey, what are you sad about? And he said, man, I'm bummed out because my city is like in ruins. And then he said, what do you need? And he gave him all the resources to rebuild the city. And so after bringing the bad news to the people, hey, this, you know, the city's in ruins, we're in trouble, and then calling people to action, Nehemiah encouraged his people with how God had already answered his prayers and was clearly supporting Nehemiah's efforts. He wanted to tell people, hey, listen, yeah, it's a big job. Yes, we need to do it. Yes, we're in a mess, but I want to tell you, God is behind this. He's behind me, and here's why I know that. And he shared this story about the king. Your people need to know that you understand the gravity of the situation you're in. If your church is currently flatlined, they need to know that, that you understand that. Your people need to know that you have a clear and yet modest goal for rebuilding your church and getting it strong again. And your people need to know that you have a strong and motivating reason to rebuild. They need to know why they need to get out of their house. They need to know why they should make the effort to go meet somewhere live, if that's where your church is at right now. Maybe you already meet live, which is awesome. But once this has been laid out, you must inspire people to trust in God and you by sharing how God has already been moving in your life. Encourage people and share about God's power. Let them know about times in the past when he's brought you through challenging times. For example, the the prayer time, meeting and praying every day. I just shared, when I was living in Tokyo, there was a time period where I hadn't been in a lot of Bible studies, hadn't baptized anybody in a long time, hadn't met anyone who became a Christian in a while. And I was convicted. And I was like, hey, I'm going to start praying. I need a, I'm going to do a prayer group once a week. And so I just got up at a midweek and said, hey, does anyone want to join me? I want to pray to baptize somebody. And I said, you know, you don't have to do this, but I, I, I'd like the encouragement if you want to join me. And about seven people total join me. So we had like six other people. And in six months, after just praying once a week for about an hour at the church building, we baptized 13 people with seven people. And I, as I remember, I think we had two, two couples, two married couples baptized on the same day. It may have been three couples. It was crazy. I mean, just God answered that prayer. And so I said, this is why I want to pray every day in March is because God, when we agree on anything on earth, our Father hears us, and he's going to do it. He's going to act on it whenever we agree on anything. And so every time we do meet together, I try to pull up stories of how God has moved in my life and heard my prayers in difficult times. People need to know that they can trust my leadership, and they need to know that they can trust your leadership. Your people are looking to you. They want to trust you. They want to trust that God is working through you. Imitate Nehemiah's example to inspire trust. What was that? Don't be too optimistic. Just tell the truth. Tell it like it is. Don't be all negative and, and, you know, oh, we're in a mess and we're never going to pull out of it. But just tell them this is where we're at. But with effort, we can pull this out, guys. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to do it through God's power. Then call people to action and let people know why you're calling them to do this. How are people going to feel? 
when they meet together. You know, think about when you go to the gym after you've been out for a while. It, it really stinks. It's not fun. You're sore for days. But after you work out, you go, man, I'm so glad I did that. And don't you feel that way? Some days you don't want to go to church, but then you go and you go, man, that was awesome. I'm so glad I went. Didn't feel like it at first, but now I do. People need to know that when they take the action, when they get involved in people's lives, when they start serving, they're going to feel so much better on the inside. And then finally, encourage people with stories of how God is and has worked through you before. This is a challenging time, and yet through God's power, we can take our church no matter where it's been, through, no matter what's happening. Even if we've lost people and we're going to lose people, we're going to come out stronger. We're going to find ways to see our churches flourish. I really believe that by telling the truth, calling people to action, and encouraging people. If you're enjoying this podcast, let me ask you a favor. Please let your friends know about it and how to find it. It's been so encouraging to, to receive your emails and your encouragement, and I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button and tell your church friends and spread the word. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.